At Giant Eagle, my perks means earning perks and dollar rewards fast. Plus, big savings down every aisle with new lower prices on thousands of items. More perks, easy savings. Now that's rewarding. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. All right, guys. BTK All Tied Up Part 2. Dennis Rader, the all-American family man. Devoted father, God-fearing Christian, city compliance officer, Boy Scout troop leader, and oh yeah, sex-craving, bondage-savoring, narcissistic psychopath who refers to his own penis as sparky big time. How much worse can this story really get? Listen in on Talk Murder to Me. Well, thanks, uh, Alicia and Jonathan. We're sorry, Jonathan, that we did not mention you in the initial request. We know it was a couple's request. And I know at least one of our tacos said that they thought BTK was the dumbest serial killer out yeah, there. Yeah, he's pretty stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'm not impressed so far. Oh, you're about to be very not impressed here in a second. Well, I mean, like, he shot a guy in the face and he didn't die. And the first time he thought he strangled those people and they didn't die at first. Like, his first murder, he was targeted to very specific members of the family, didn't realize, like, that the dad was home. So it's unfortunately another casualty, someone who died tragically, who didn't, wasn't even the intent. Right. Um, And he kind of had to make it work. They're all tragedies. Oh, yeah. All right. So Dennis Rader, a college student, ex-Air Force. He was an ADT alarm salesman. He got let go from that job. He became a compliance officer, and he was a real stickler. 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 He was a real stickler for giving tickets for, oh, your grass is an inch too high or whatever. There's a lot of. He would totally write us up if he was an RHOA. There's a lot of stories out there where people got tickets from him for their dogs being loose or whatever. I mean, he was a real jackass. He called his penis Sparky. And I think someone said this on the forum. They said uh, SBT. Do you guys want to take a guess what SBT? Small but thick. So, ew. ew oh, my gross. God. What the fuck? I don't know. I thought we were making penis jokes. <laughs> is that what it stands for? No. So here, read this, Nicole. This is this will tell you what he means by SBT. So Dennis Rader has acronyms for freaking everything. So that's another thing. Like, who uses acronyms all the time? Oh, that's a military thing. Well, no. Well, yeah, military, but also like law enforcement. So he thought of the girl with long, dark hair and glasses. She looked like she was made for SBT, his abbreviation for Sparky Big Time. Ew, I like my idea better. That's Sparky (sighs) Big Time. (laughs) Oh, that's cringeworthy. Holy shit. Gross. Now, he also began to document everything he did, and he began to send letters to the media, and then he started signing the documents, BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. So this guy definitely wanted fame. All right, this is from a 1974 letter that he had sent to the media. You don't understand these things because you're not under the influence of Factor X. Factor X is what is like the mojo of killing. The X Factor? The X Factor, yeah. He says it weird. The factor of factor X. Like, just call it the X factor, dude. The same thing that made Son of Sam, Jack the Ripper, Havery, Glatman, Boston Strangler, Dr. H.H. Holmes, Pantyhose Strangler of Florida, whoa, Whoa. Hillside Strangler, Ted of the West Coast, and many more infamous character kill, which seems senseless, but we cannot help it. There is no help, no cure, except death or being caught and put away. How about some name for me? It's time. Seven down and many more to go. I like the following. How about you? The BTK Strangler, the Wichita Strangler, Poetic Strangler, the Bondage Strangler. Oh, haha. Bondage. 
This right here is one of his letters. This is from the Selena Journal in Kansas, Sunday, February 12th, 1978. The letter to KAKE-TV. Postmarked Thursday from Wichita was received at the station Friday morning and police were notified. The letter began with the question, how many do I have to kill before I get a name in the paper or some national attention? BTK indicated that he had written to the local newspaper after his sixth murder, but nothing was printed and wrote that one little paragraph would have been enough. Hmm, That's similar to Zodiac, I think. I don't know know too much about it, but... The FBI profile really quick, kind of before we get started with the full story. Um, This was in October 1984. Roy Hazelwood, which is an FBI profiler, listed BTK as having some of the following traits he practiced bondage in everyday life Mm. he was a sexual sadist a control freak and could interact with others on a superficial level quote you know him but you really don't know him he also said that he does well at his job whatever job he has and he doesn't like others telling him what to do quote he would love to drive people would associate him with driving Hmm. Interesting. All right. We're going to March 17th, 1977, 1207 South Greenwood Street. The target in this one, her name is Cheryl. And the project for this date, March 17th, 1977, is Project Blackout. Ooh. Now, she's a college girl and she lived with other college roommates. So he was going to go in there and most likely confront more than one female. He's very brazen with this stuff. I think it's interesting, too, that both the product, projects we've talked about have to do with power. Like, the first hmm. one was Project Lights Out, and this one's Project Blackout. Well, interesting. Th- that, it doesn't really have any correlation, because Blackout is actually the bar that he was stalking Cheryl at. Oh. She would drink oh. at this bar called Blackout. Weird. And then he would go in there and basically stalk her, and then... A few weeks later, he picked the date, March 17th, and he went to the door. He was going to knock, and he had a ruse. He was going to pretend to be drunk or something along the lines and say, oops, wrong apartment, and then kind of force his way in. I was wondering if it had to do with, um, like, blackout lights out, death, like he was going to kill them. No, it's just... I mean, that's a good... But that's a really weird Blackout is also a good analogy for drunk. Yes. It's a good thought, but it's definitely the bar. It's a weird, that's a weird coincidence. Yeah, maybe. He knocks on the door, but guess what? No one's home. I'm not going to go into Cheryl's background because she wasn't home, and that's the last time she's in the story. He actually walks two doors down and knocks on another door, 1311 South Hydraulic Street, a woman with three kids. (gasps) Shirley Vianne. She's a woman with three kids. And guess what? The entire family has the flu. Mm. But he doesn't care. He goes in there anyway. And this is how he does it. The son of Shirley Vianne, Stephen, age six, goes to the Dillon's grocery store to buy soup. Because like I said, the entire family has a horrible case of the flu. The mm. same Dylan's grocery store that he left the car from the last family? Yeah, the same one. Dennis Rader actually stops the boy coming back from the grocery store, and he shows a photo of a little boy. Now, Dennis Rader has a briefcase with him, and he's wearing an overcoat, and he pretends to be a detective. And he says, I'm a detective. Have you seen this little boy? And he shows them a picture of a boy. And the, the boy's like, no, I, I haven't seen him. So he goes on his way. Now read this. This is from BTK's daughter, her account. In March 1977, Dad, carrying a briefcase and posing as a detective, showed a picture of my mom and my one-year-old brother to a little boy, asking if he had seen the boy in the picture, then followed him home. Dad knocked on the little boy's door, spoke to his mother, Shirley Vianne, Realford, then forced his way into their house, murdered her after locking her three screaming children in the bathroom. So the fucked up thing, well, there's a lot of fucked up things with that statement. But number one, the picture that he showed the boy as a cover was of his own son. Ah. What? Every county, Kansas, that you unlawfully killed 
surely by Anne, maliciously, willfully, deliberately, and with premeditation by strangulation, inflicting injuries from which she did die on March 17, 1977. Can you tell me what you did on that day? Yes, before, uh, Vianne was a, uh, actually on that one, she was completely random. Uh, there was actually someone across from Dylan's was a potential target. Uh, it was called Project Green, I think. I had project numbers and signs with it. And that particular day, I uh, drove to Dylan's, parked in the parking lot, watched this particular residence, and then got out of the car and walked over to it. It's probably the police report, the address. I don't remember the address now. Knocked, nobody nobody answered it. So I was all keyed up, so I just uh, started going through the neighborhood. I've been through the neighborhood before. I kind of knew uh, a little bit of the layout of the neighborhood. Uh, I've been through the back alleys, knew where some certain people live. Um, while I uh, was walking down Hydraulic, uh, I met a, a young boy and uh, asked him if he ID some pictures. Uh, kind of as a rust, I guess, a roost, as you call it, and uh, kind of feel it out. And uh, saw where he went, and I went to another address and knocked on the door. Nobody opened the door, so I just noticed where he went and went to that house, and we went from there. Now, she was very adamant about not letting him come inside, but he just kind of shoves his way in. He pulls out his twenty-two and tells Shirley, I have a sexual fantasy problem. And I'm going to tie you up, have sex with you, take pictures, and then I'm going to let you all go about your day. What he does next is take the boys into the bathroom, locks the door, and throws a bunch of toys in there. This image right here is of the bathroom, how detectives found it. You can see there's a bed sheet, mm. like a blanket there. And he's just like, here, go play with that. Well, spend time with your mom type Ooh. of shit. Uh, I told uh, Mrs. Uh Spyan that uh, I had a problem with uh, sexual fantasies that I was going to tie her up and that uh, I might have to tie the kids up and that she would cooperate with us, cooperate with me at that time. Uh, we went back, uh, she was extremely nervous, I think she even smoked a cigarette, and we went back to uh, one of the back, back areas of the porch, explained to her that I had done this before. and. Uh, I think she was, at that point in time, I think she was sick because she had a night robe on. And I think if I remember right, she was she had been sick. And I, I think she came out of the bedroom when I went in the house. So anyway, we went back to the her bedroom and I proceeded to tie the kids up. And they started crying and got real upset. So I said, oh, this is not going to work. So we moved them to the bathroom. She helped me. And then I tied the door shut. We put some toys and uh, blankets and odds and ends in there for the kids. Make them as comfortable as we could. Tied the, uh, we uh, tied one of the bathroom doors shut so they couldn't open it, and we shoved. She went back and helped me shove the bed up against the other bathroom door. Now Shirley Vian, the whole time said, "We got the flu. You know, get out of here. We're really sick." And it's mm. like he didn't care because he already missed his target. Right. And usually he does have backup targets, backup projects. But this was not one of them. This was a random knock at a door. I mean, this could have gone any way. Right. I mean, she could have had grown up sons in there, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this could have went another way quick. I mean, he also clearly didn't care about catching the flu either. Uh, yeah. I wonder if he caught it afterwards. All right. This is from the BTK book. He stripped off the woman's clothes. Oh, I am so sick, she said. He wrapped electrical tape around her forearms and calves. Raider tied her wrists with cord in a nylon stocking, then tied her ankles with cord. In the bathroom, the children were screaming, pounding on the door. Leave my mother alone! Leave my mother alone! Get out of here, Stephen yelled. I'm going to break out of here. I don't think you want to, Raider shouted back. I'll blow your head off. This photo right here shows you exactly how he would bind his victims. This is of Shirley right here. And I'm putting this on talkmer.com. This was a hard photo to find. Ooh. All right, do you see mm. the nylon stockings? Yes. That is what with he binded her tape. with. But first he used electrical tape, as you can see here, how it's kind of rushed. He had put that on first. Mm -hmm. You kind of see. Mm -hmm. And then he used the pantyhose. And then you finally see the nylon. So this is her... Hands tied behind her back. Okay, so this is the actual crime scene photo you're looking at of her. Yikes. Now, you got to remember, the whole time he was telling her, I'm just going to 
take pictures of you and have sex with you and and I'm going to leave. But of course, that was not his intention whatsoever. Shirley actually vomited on the floor because she has the flu. Yep. Right. Been okay, there, girl. The kids are banging on the bathroom door, mm. screaming. He walks to the kitchen, pours a glass of water and gives it to Shirley. It's one of his things. Remember when he gave the pillow to the yep. uh, the father, the Otero father? Yep. Same thing. He's comforting the victim. She drinks it. As soon as she finishes the water, he pulls out that plastic bag and puts it around her head and then ties the cord to the bed. And then I proceeded to uh, tie her up. Uh, she got sick, threw up, um, got her a glass of water, comforted her a little bit, and then I went ahead and tied her up and then uh, put a bag, a bag over her head and strangled her. All right. Was this a plastic bag also? Yes, sir. I think it was. But I could be wrong in that. Put a bag it was something. I'm sure it was a plastic bag, yeah. You say you put a bag over her head and strangled her. What did you strangle her with? Uh, I actually, I think on that, I had tied, uh, tied her legs to the uh, bedpost and worked up with the rope all the way up. And then what I had left over, I looped over her neck. Right, so you used this uh, rope to strangle her? Yes. I think, I think it's the same one that I tied her body with. Now, this is one of those knots where I feel like police should have kind of figured some stuff out. But the knot was rigged, so as she struggled, it tightened. So basically, she killed herself from hmm. trying to get out. Wow. You know, I know that sounds morbid, but I mean, she would have probably died anyway because it was cutting off her air. But it did get tighter hmm. when she moved around. I, I think that's a slip knot, what a slip knot is. I'm not sure, so don't like 100% quote me on that. I couldn't actually find what knot it was. But the children actually could hear the mother. No. As she was dying. What happened then? Well, the, uh, the kids were really banging on the door and hollering and screaming. And, uh, and then the telephone rang. And they had talked about earlier that the neighbor was going to check on them. So I cleaned everything up real quick like and got out of there. Left and went back into my car. Now, he leaves. So this wasn't a sexual thing at all. This was just really trying, just killing her for no reason. This was just a senseless murder. What you're reading now is from the Selena Journal, Friday, March 18th, 1977. Two murders probed at Wichita. The body of a young man in his 20s was found in a field Friday morning, the victim of the city's second killing in as many days. The body of a young woman was found Thursday on a bed in her home. She had been bound in a plastic bag tied over her head. Police said the man found today was known to some officers but had no criminal record. His name was not immediately released. The body, covered with blood from apparent stab wound to the back, was discovered by a policeman who was driving along a gravel road. Police had no tangible leads in the death of the 26-year-old woman. All right, so what do you notice about that article? Uh, where did that guy come from? The reason that guy is in there is because the detectives didn't link this to BTK. Really? They, At all. They thought those two were this linked? Was, this was not a link to the BTK. Mm. For whatever reason, they didn't link it. Oh, that That's must why the other off. guy, mm. which BTK did not kill, the body of a young man in his 20s, was found in a field. They thought that was linked to Shirley Viant. They thought those were linked. Did she know the guy? Like, No, she it, didn't know the guy. It's just... You know, this Police was like the first news of it coming out, right. but they didn't actually link it to BTK. That's why I put this article in there. It kind of shows you, number one, that there were no linkages made. And number two, you see this coming out and then BTK is like, what the fuck? Yeah, I did, did this he, murder. Did Where's he, my credit? Right. Type of did shit. he write another letter when he saw that? Yeah, he wrote another letter. See, he, BTK wasn't getting the fame that he wanted to get. He thought he would be a lot more famous in the media and stuff like that. And he just was not getting it at all. So on January 31st, 1978, he sends a poem, poem, poem. Yep. He sends a poem to the Wichita Eagle. Now it came on an index card and this is what it said. Shirley Locks, Shirley Locks, wilt thou be mine? Thou shalt not scream, nor yet fee the line, but lay on cushion and think of me in death and how it's going to be. BTK, 
Poem for Fox Next. December 8th, 1977. We're going to 843 South Pershing Street. Now, he tells his wife that he's going to the WSU library all night because he has a term paper, which is true. He really did have a term paper to finish. But also, he had a new project. This is Nancy Fox right here, 25 years old. She works at Hellsburg Jewelers in the mall. She was also a full-time secretary at an architectural firm. She played flute and sang in the choir of her Baptist church. So this was a project that he was following for a few weeks. He goes to her house on Pershing Street. What does he do before entering the house at first? Shows he cuts her the phone line. He cuts the oh. phone line. He breaks the window and then he gets into the kitchen and he pours himself a glass of water. He had knocked, but she didn't come to the door. She wasn't home. He goes into the kitchen and as he's drinking a glass of water, she walks in. Hmm. This is the communication between BTK and Nancy Fox. Get out of my house. Nancy had just come in with her coat on, carrying her purse. She stepped to grab the telephone. I'm going to call the police. That won't do you any good. I cut the line. He moved toward her, showed her his gun. What are you in my house for? She had spunk. He liked that. She did not even look nervous. What are you going to do? What's going on here? I'm a bad guy. I want sex. I have to tie you up to take pictures. Get out of here. No. You need to get out of here right now. No. This is going to happen. You're sick. Yes, I'm sick. But this is the way it's going to be. She glared at him. She took off her coat, a white parka, and folded it onto the couch. She was wearing a pink sweater. I need a cigarette. She lit one watching him. He dumped her purse onto the kitchen table and took some trophies. He found her driver's license. He talked to disarm her, telling the same story with variations that he had told Oteros, the Brights, Shirley Vianne. He had a sexual problem, but he wasn't really a bad guy. She would be all right. And now she faced him squarely, or so he would remember. Let's just get this over with so I can call the police. He agreed. I need to go to the bathroom. He looked in the bathroom, made sure there wasn't a sharp object she could turn into a weapon. Okay, make sure you come back with most of your clothes off. He blocked open the bathroom door with a piece of cloth, then sat on her bed to wait. He looked around in admiration. Clothes, closet, jewelry kit, everything was neat. When she came out of the bathroom, she was still wearing her pink sweater, her bra, and purple panties. She saw he was holding handcuffs. What's that about? This is part of my deal. It's what makes it happen for me. Why are you wearing gloves? I'm wanted in other states, and I don't want to leave any prints. This is ridiculous. This is bullshit. She kept talking, but he barely listened. He pulled her hands behind her, fastened the cuffs on her wrists, and made her lie face down on the bed. He got on top of her. He was half undressed himself by then, hoping this would convey the lie that he intended to rape her. He pulled down her panties. Has your boyfriend ever had sex with you in the butt? He said it to deceive. He did not really want anal sex. She did not answer. She was gagged now. He took off his leather belt and looped it around her ankles. He found that he had an erection already. He suddenly pulled the belt off her ankles, slipped it around her throat and yanked it tight, pressing down with one hand where the belt went through the buckle and pulling the belt with his other hand. Nancy thrashed under him, found his scrotum with her handcuffed hands and dug her fingers into him. It hurt, but he liked it. Oh, I was going to say good Whoa. for you, girl, but like, damn, like that's unfortunate. Yeah. So she grabs his scrotum and he likes it. Mm. BTK gags her, ties her up and then gets right next to her ear like he's going to whisper a secret in her ear. And he says, quote, I'm wanted. I killed the Oteros. I killed Shirley Vianne. I'm BTK, and you're next. And then he masturbated in her nightgown as she was dying. Yes, you will find a homicide at 843 South Okay, so let me kind of narrate what this is. This is a 911 call made by BTK. He says, you will find a homicide at 843 Pershing. The victim is Nancy Fox. 
I'm sorry, sir, I can't understand you. So what is your address? I know it's hard to hear, but the dispatcher says, I'm sorry, sir, I can't hear you. What is the address? And another dispatcher speaks up that was listening in and said, I think he said 843 Pershing. And then BTK responds, that is correct. This is from his daughter. Decades later, dad commented about a gap in murders that began after my brother's birth, saying, we were now a family with a job and baby. I got busy. Dad continued to stalk potential victims, though, and in March 1977, Dad murdered Shirley Vianne Relford, a mom to three young children. In December 1977, when my mom was three months pregnant with me, Dad murdered 25-year-old Nancy Fox. My dad was raising children, and yet he chose to take another mother away from her own children. He was about to have a daughter, yet he took two more daughters away from their families. Here's a couple more things about uh, Nancy Fox. Now, this is the daughter's account, and Nicole's reading directly from her book. And the book is called A Serial Killer's Daughter. Dad murdered Nancy Fox when mom was three months pregnant with me. Dad murdered part of a family, a father, mother, and two children, orphaning three children. Dad murdered three mothers in front of their children, daughters, sisters, mothers, grandmothers, Seven families destroyed, and my family too. See, reading it in that way makes me even more angry than I already am. That's why I'm pulling those certain passages that she has written in her book so you can kind of see. Yeah, of like the the, the killer's family suffers. And we talked about this once when our our very good friend and Taco Supremo Chuck had us do his story Mm. about his brother who um, is convicted of murder that there is a, a serious um, issue with understanding what families of the actual killers are going through. Right. Totally different from families of victims, but it's complicated. It is. Big shout out to Chuck. He became one of our really good friends. Um, as Nicole was talking about, I remember Chuck telling me that when he was interviewed by the media, he was getting kind of the guilty stare, if you will, um, at, almost as he was associated yeah. with the murder. Yeah, I and mean, that's he, what he was talking about. Uh, he is also a victim. And I never saw that until he explained it like that when we did his story. Mm. So big shout out to you, Chuck. Uh, we love you. He would also send physical things to the media. What, what oh. murder does this remind you of right here? This is what you're looking at. Explain what you're looking at, Nicole. Um, It's a PVC. El- is that an elbow pipe? Yeah, elbow? it's a. It's an a elbow pipe. A PVC pipe, yeah. Um, and it also has a Barbie doll. And the bar it's a brunette Barbie doll, by the way. It reminds me of the one where he kept the kids in the bathroom because of the plumbing piece. Hmm. But she's tied up. Which with... victim is this? Maybe Josie, because it's an upside down J. Josie Otero? The last one. The most recent one. This victim right here you're looking at, and he sent he's in a few of these types of things. This is Josephine Otero. You see the purple blouse she was wearing. She's not wearing any pants. You see that he had took a Sharpie to her pubic area. Dang, okay, uh, I was going to ask about that. To This is a Barbie doll. And she has a gag in her mouth and a rope. It's a hemp rope tied up and her legs are also tied. A lot of times the media would almost throw out the evidence. And like I read in the book, <laughs> they get about 700 pieces of mail a day and they get a lot of bullshit from crackpots or whoever you know so when that the poem came in they thought it was just another crazy person but one thing i forgot to mention about that uh poem if we could go back and look at the photo one more time and i can't believe i forgot to mention this but he actually signed it btk and you can barely see it that's really weird that he drew pubic hair on a barbie doll uh yeah also like like, why not just leave it as is and keep her pants off? Okay, so this is the signature. Ah. You see a BTK. Oh, yes, so I do. So he has the breast. The... Oh, oh uh, shit. Yeah, the breast and then T right oh. here and then K. So what does this remind you of? Um, you Chinese it? script. No, it, it reminds you of this, right? So Zodiac. He's, Zodiac. Zodiac. He's trying to make his own symbol. And um, it's actually really kind of cool because it's BTK. And I'm it's, not cool, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's titties. very creative. I mean, how he did that. 
I don't think I, he's I mean, trying. When you put it, uh, well, when you put it that way, as opposed to the, it does look like a Chinese caricature. It does. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, this is the police chief, Chief Lemunyan. He's mentioned numerous times. He's the one that kind of ran this case. This is an interview that he did. Now, I'm not sure what station this is because there's no branding or whatever. But it's really interesting to know that he decided to try a tactic that has never been done before. And that's subliminal messaging. Before I play this clip and you guys see the subliminal message because it slows it down and you can actually see it. You guys have to understand that one of the leads that they had, one of the roads that the detectives went down was that the BTK mostly killed females who wore glasses. Now that really? is completely inaccurate. Oh. You, you know, maybe subconsciously he felt sexually attracted to, to women with glasses, but the fact that they use the glasses in the subliminal message is very interesting. And this is one of those things in true crime that it's just a gem to see because it's the first time it's ever happened. And of course, it didn't work at all. Also understand that the police chief and the detectives, they couldn't call BTK on the phone or have a conversation through letters. They had to communicate via the newspapers and they put a lot of ads out in the the personal section. A lot of uh, things only the BTK would understand. And they were trying to probe him to call in to the police chief. Now, none of this worked, but you can be assured that the BTK did see all of this because, as you saw, he loved the media attention. So this is the subliminal message. It's very, very interesting see any pattern to BTK's conduct. We have an individual who apparently has the uncontrollable desire to kill at times. Did you see that flash? By any chance, yes, did y'all see that? I Just did. A flash. Okay, they'll, they'll show it in a second. Here's what it said. And I'll put this video on talkmer.com. Now called the chief. So you see glasses there because they thought that he was Picking women with only glasses. Huh. And then the, the glasses look like a bee. Yes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And it I says, now that. call the chief. They wanted to develop a direct line of contact with the BTK. And this is how they wanted to do it. They wanted him to call the chief directly. You know, because I don't know if you remember in the first episode I talked about they had put out that ad in that newspaper that we can help you. You need help. You're obviously... Yes. Um, you're obviously seriously deranged like they wanted to help him out they wanted to help him but they just wanted to nab him so you see that call the chief that now that was flashed really quick i think that's extremely interesting because Mm. i do believe subliminal messaging works because i mean look at um it's not subliminal i know but product placement in movies remember we saw that whopper that the iron man was eating sure did and then we went to went to get a whopper oh yeah I thought that was extremely interesting that that's kind of how they're running down these leads. Right. Um, Let's move on now about seven years down the road. Now we're going to 1985. Okay, he's a lot older now. Remember that last murder I talked about with Nancy Fox Mm -hmm. happened in 1977. Yeah. That was the year his daughter was born, wasn't it? Yep. So now he's kind of getting an old man, and you can really see him, I don't know, getting older because he gets lazier. He's losing his hair. He's he's losing his uh, mojo, if you will. So now we're going to April 26, 1985. He's getting a lot older. Okay. And the victim we're talking about lives six doors down from him. Mm-hmm. That's but his neighbor. It's too his close. Neighbor. On the same block. Too he's close. too close, which means he's getting sloppy. Mm-hmm. And this is how killers Desperate. get caught. Yeah, Desperate. because now, people this are is a, a good detective would ask all of the neighbors on the block what happened. 
Can you tell me what occurred on that day? Well, actually, uh, kind of like the others, uh, she was chosen. Uh, I went through the different phases, uh, stocking phase, and since she lived down the street from me, I could watch the coming and going quite easily. This is 1985, six doors down from Dennis Rader. He starts to get lazy. This is April 26th through April 27th. And that's a big gap from his last murder. Yeah, it's about seven years, seven or eight years. I can't really count because I don't know math. But his last murder was 1977. This is 1985. This is called Project Cookie. Does anyone want to take a guess what this means? Girl Scouts. Close. Remember, he was a Boy Scout. Continue on the line of a Boy Scout but also knowing that his son is a Cub Scout right now. His young son, his only son, is a Cub Scout. He names it Project Cookie because at the time of this murder, he was on a Cub Scout outing with his son at Camp Tawakoni. Okay, this is a overnight... Does he have no shame? This is an overnight stay, setting tents up, campfires... Ooh, I got a scary story to tell you after we light up these s'mores. It was a dark and stormy night. So he is out there with all of these boys. Guess what? Showing them how to tie slip knots. And if you tie this up, then and if they struggle, then they'll kill themselves. He is teaching these boys how to do knots. Uh-uh. He's at the Camp Tawakoni with his son and he gets an urge. After the tents were set up, Dennis Rader, the BTK, says to the other scout leaders, because he's a scout leader as well, that he has a headache and he needs to go to bed early. Now, this is what he does. He drives to a gas station. He changes out of his Boy Scout uniform. And I'd like to quickly mention that a cop did ask him, what are you doing? What, what are you doing here? And then he said, I'm a Boy Scout. I'm just changing into these dark clothes. And the cop didn't ask anything further. But uh, if he would have looked in the trunk, he would have found what Dennis Rader calls his, quote, hit kit. Is this a kit that you had prepared? Yeah, I, yes, I call it my hit kit. He then goes to a bowling alley. And this is kind of elaborate why he did this. But I think it's very interesting. He goes to a bowling alley. He orders one beer. He pours that beer on his shirt. He then calls a cab, an Uber, to pick him up and take him to the victim's home, which is... Who? His neighbor. His neighbor, six doors down. Ooh. Now, the reason he did this with the whole beer, why do you think he did that? So that he had an excuse to ask her for a, a towel or an excuse to leave the at bowling alley? This is from the BTK book, Nicole, if you can read this. He slurred his speech to fool the driver. If this ride ever turned up in an investigation, the cabbie would remember only that he was a drunken bowler in dark clothes and not the scout dad who slept in a tent at Taiwakoni, 20 miles to the east. If asked, the scout dad would say that he stayed in the tent all night with a headache. Uh, Before that, I dressed until I had some other clothes on, changed clothes. I went to the bowling alley, uh, went in there. Uh, the pre-sense of bowling, called a taxi, had a taxi take me out to Park City, uh, had my kit with me as a bowling bag. All right, that was Park City in Sedgwick County, yes, Kansas? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. All right, you had the taxi take you to Park City. What happened then? Uh, there I asked, I, I uh, pretended that I was a little uh, drunk. I just took I just took some beer and forced it around my mouth, and the guy could probably smell the alcohol on me. I asked, told him to let me out so I could get some fresh air, and I walked from where the taxi let me out over to her house. His neighbor, her name is Marine Hedge. He kills her in her home, basically the same routine. So I very carefully snuck into the house, kind of like a cat burglar. And after checking the house, she wasn't there. So about that time, the doors rattled. So I went went back to one of the bedrooms and hid back there in one of the bedrooms. She came in with a male visitor. They were there for maybe an hour or so. He left. I waited till three hours in the morning uh, and then proceeded to uh, sneak into her bedroom and uh, put the lights on with the clock, or I think the bathroom lights. I just I didn't want to flip her lights on, and, and she screamed, and uh, I jumped on the bed and strangled her manually. He kills her, strangles her. He then wraps her in her own bed sheets and puts her in the trunk of his own car. 
and then he does something that he has never done. Oh, what what did I just say? He puts her in the trunk of his car, which is completely different True. than his he's MO. Never taken yeah. He has anyway. never taken a body outside of their own home. Ooh. So right now he's breaking his MO, and I believe he's doing this because he does read a lot of detective magazines. Eventually, uh, moved her to the trunk of the car. Uh, took the car over to uh, Christ Lutheran Church. Uh, this is where the older church, and uh, I took some pictures of her. He drives the dead body in the trunk to his Lutheran church. If you want to read this, Nicole. In the church, he played God, controlled her, strapped her high heels to her cold feet, posed her, bound body in lewd positions, and took photographs he could save her later. Then he took her to the country and dumped her. Oh, he never took photos before. That's new. True. So Dennis Rader has a key to the church because he's very high up in the congregation. So it's just so fucked up that he took her at the church and did his deviance at the church. Yeah, it is fucked up. And in fact, in another murder, he takes evidence, driver's license, jewelry, and dumps it at the church as well. It kind of shows you that maybe he's really not a big Christian. Nine days later, in a wet ditch on 53rd Street, north of northwest of Wichita, Animals have nearly destroyed the remains, but they had found her body. Her name was Maureen Hedge, and that was a BTK victim. That was 1985. Now, here's for your cooling down period. The next one is in 1991. And Mm. the reason I'm doing this one is because it is the very last murder he has ever done. Really? And the MO is completely different. Mm. Even though the last one was different. Yeah. January 18th, 1991, Dolores Davis. This is Project Dogside. The reason he named it that is because she had a dog kennel a little bit north of her property. You know, Mm. she lived at 6226 North Hillside and was a mile away from his home. So he is getting extremely lazy. And I'd like to say maybe for future detectives, If a killer gets older like this, you know, it's interesting to see, are they all lazier like that? Will they all start to go closer to home? You Mm. know, you remember Israel Keys, Mm. he would kill the neighbor. Exactly. He killed, well, not his neighbor, but he killed someone local in Anchorage, Alaska, the the one that worked at the coffee drive. Yeah, and then kept them in his shed. And that was his undoing, but he got lazy, and that's why. I think it has to do with the number, like the number of people that he killed that he got away with, where he thought they could go closer to home. Yeah, and he thinks that he can just get away with it. Part laziness, but part like I also got away with it. It has to do with the fact that they really don't give a fuck. Who cares um, about anything about anyone? They're just going to do whatever they want anyway since they've gotten away with it for so long. He's on another Boy Scout trip. This is January 18th, 1991. Now, his son is no longer a Cub Scout. He's now a Boy Scout. Oh. And they're on the trip. Tents up. You know, when I was young and I was sitting here in the Boy Scouts tying knots and just sitting by the fire and wanking it with each other <laughs> and cornholing each other, you know, talking like that. And then all of a sudden, hey, guys, I'm sorry, but I, I'm going to need some more supplies for this fire. I need to get this fire going. I need to go to the store and get some supplies. That was his ruse to get out of there. This is Dolores Davis right here. Do you want to guess how old she is? 68. She's 63? 62 years old. So she... I mean, then again, BTK is now a lot older, but his this is the oldest victim that he's had, a 62-year-old. He drives out and he brazenly throws a cinder block through Dolores Davis's home. Now, this Ooh. is the actual scene in her home. So you can see how brazen this is. You see the cinder block right here by the TV. Yeah, it looks and like And it she... goes through the window right here. You see the glass on the floor? Yeah, it looks yep. like it's like a... a, a... A sliding door type of situation. He goes back to the campsite because his son's there and he's the Boy Scout leader. He spends the day there, but he's got this this itch that he needs a scratch. It's like, man, you know, I had to rush. It was cold outside and I had to get back because they were wondering where I was at. Probably I didn't I didn't get to do what I wanted to do with the body. And I had a bunch of plans. I wanted to just. I want to do so much sexual stuff to the body. So he decides 
to make another excuse. Now he's got a headache. He goes back under the bridge the next, the very next day, and he revisits the body. Raider finished dressing, drove out in the fog, found Dee's body, and took photos of her. Her breasts had deflated. Not very sexy, he thought, but he took photos anyway. He had brought something to pretty her up. His mask, made of heavy plastic, which he had painted red lips, black eyelashes, and eyebrows. What? He was wearing a mask? He put the mask on her. No, he didn't put the mask. Well, yeah, he put the mask on her, but it was not found like this. Now, this is also a complete different MO. Uh, you know, yeah. th this is crazy. And he actually owned this mask for a while, as you'll see in a second. The body was actually found 13 days later, Ooh. and it was seven. And it was found on 117th Street North. It was actually under a bridge found by a boy walking his dog. It's kind of interesting because the the dog kind of runs under the bridge. And then the boy's like, get out of there. It's probably snakes or raccoons or freaking, I don't know, a troll or whatever. Whatever the fuck's under a bridge. Maybe that guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't know. <laughs> but he says, he says, come on out of there. And the dog just sits there and doesn't move because the body's there. Mm. Kind of a little interesting tidbit. Mm. Her body was there. This is 13 days later. The animals really got to her. If you want to read this, this is from the BTK book. Sheriff's investigators photographed Dee's frozen body, diagrammed her location, and studied what they saw. Pantyhose tied to Dee's throat, wrists, and ankles. Animals had gnawed her. Oof. This is the crime scene photo of 62-year-old Dolores Davis. Uh. So you see she's kind of, she is under a bridge, you can tell, because it's shaded right here. And you see the light out here, so it is yeah. shaded. She's uh. laying on the ground. Her face is completely mutilated. I, I believe this is some sort of uh, cover. And you see the, the mask, mask here on the side. The side yeah. She's kind of stripped down naked. Um, she, the, I believe there's a bathrobe kind of wrapped around her and she's just kind of tossed there. Yeah. I can't tell Ugh. if she's laying on her stomach or on her back. So it's on her back. That's how BTK they left her. They out her boobs. Now, this is a completely different MO. Number one, it's not killing the home. Number two, who uses a mask like this? I mean, this is, go to talkmore.com. I'm putting these photos uh, up there. Eddie. The mask is very... <laughs> Creepy. It's like uh, that movie, The Strangers yeah. type of mask. Um, this is the actual mask right here that I'm showing you guys right now. Oh, oh yeah. I hate those masks. And this is the mask in uh, in the held up in evidence oh. right here. Oh, yeah. That's just like it. Now, like I said before. I don't, I've never seen that movie, but I can imagine. Now, like I said before, this is a mask that he actually owned. Okay, why would he own a mask like this? So that he could disguise himself and or his victims? What you're seeing right now is actual photos of BTK Dennis Rader. He liked to cosplay a little bit. This is Dennis Rader. What? You see him standing on the bed, dressed up. He's got a, the bag over his head. He's playing bondage. You see him Wait, here? Wait, that's him? Not yeah, his that's victims? him. No, this is him. He is... Hung himself up, and this is him laying on the floor with the mask on. Um, here's, I'm so confused. Here's another photo of BTK right here. Go talk murder.com. Ah! He is he's wearing a wig in this, he's got the, a mask on. He is playing the bondage role, obviously, he's pretending to be a victim. But he's who tied to be, those knots for him? He tied those knots. Who else would tie those on knots? himself? So behind his back, you think his wife's gonna tie them damn things? Well, who took that picture? He, the cameras have Timer. those timers. This is him hanging himself up. Now, this is all him. That this is, is very elaborate. This is himself doing this right now. This is kind of his sexual thing that he does. And this is him burying himself just like Dolores Davis. Whoa. See, he's in this shallow grave. So he was pretending to be up. his own victim. He's kind of shallow graved right here. He put some dirt on himself, kind of like if you're at the beach and you throw dirt you, on somebody or think, sand on somebody. Do you think he did this? And 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 I, I didn't know that this was something that he did. Did he do this so that he, he seemed like he had more victims than he no, actually did? No, 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 no. Did? These were only for him. This was found after he was arrested. It was part of his own pleasure. This was, you remember Colonel Williams? Yeah. Russell Williams that was yeah, dressed up in show. all these panties and stuff. Mm -hmm. This was part of his sexual 
deviance, if you will. Got it. Like, he didn't want these to be public. He did send photos of his victims to the journalist, but he, he did not send these. These were found in his stash once he was arrested. I mean, who am I to judge what turns people on? But at the same time, like, because this is sick. I think this is the opportunity to judge. <laughs> then I definitely will take that opportunity. That's fucking sick, bro. Okay, so one of our listeners commented that Dennis Rader BTK was one of the most dumbest killers out there. And I'd have to agree. Reading his case, I don't know if he was really dumb or if he just really wanted to be caught. If you watch his testimonies and when he's in court and his communication with the media, and if you read his communication with the media and all the letters he sent, which I I didn't even go through all the letters he sent, you can see almost a desperation for fame. It's 2005 when he gets caught. He is desperate because guess what? These new detectives are in there and BTK is like, I don't know, your your dad saying, oh, yeah, you should listen to the Supremes or Daryl Oates or whoever his name is, you know, or you'd really like listen to Boston or the Eagles. You know, it's like, OK, Dad, Man, I mean, you know, I'd rather listen to freaking Ari Grandi, Little Boozy. <laughs> I, you know, I got my stereo on the X X. XXX Tashion. What are you trying to say? I want to listen to Drake's new album, Pump the Bacon, all this stuff. I don't care about Daryl Oates, Dad. That's kind of what they were thinking about BTK. Who gives a shit about BTK? This is a guy that was killing in the 70s. All these new detectives were new. They're millennials. He really wanted fame. I'm not saying that he wanted to get caught, but he's a freaking idiot. He was actually caught trying to communicate with the media after he came out of, quote, retirement. He goes to Nicole's favorite place, a store that she loves more than anything else. And she'll guess it now because we're on the same wavelength. Trader Joe's. True dad. Yes. She'll take one more guess and get it correct. Whole Foods. I have a feeling you're going to say... Victoria's Secret. When when's the last time you've been to Victoria's Secret? December when they were having a huge. Yeah, I was going to say sale. December when we went shopping. <laughs> they had we, a, went, we got like thirty pairs of underwear. For we like went $10. to Victoria's Secret, Ulta, Bath and Body Works, and Old Navy. I think is where we went. It was amazing. He dropped this cereal box off mm. at Nicole's favorite TDs? store. No, not TDs, damn it. Home Depot. What the fuck? Home Depot. He was at Home Damn Depot. I do love Home Depot. The fuck? You go there every day. (laughs) I like Home Depot better than those. Yes. So he was caught on surveillance camera depositing a piece of evidence. He basically rolls up in his Jeep Grand Cherokee in the Home Depot parking lot and puts one of these media toys that he wants the media to see because he's coming out of retirement in someone's truck. It's like he didn't know that the freaking Home Depot would have CCTV in this 2004. Like everywhere in the fucking world has that shit, right? I do love Home Depot. You're right. They know now that he drives a Jeep Grand Cherokee, a red one. That's what they know. They couldn't see his face because, you know, CCTV, for some reason, even nowadays, is still grainy as shit. Well, it's better in Britain (laughs) than it is. They have it everywhere in the UK. every freaking street corner. Right? But in America. 1984, man. So you can see the box here. He signed it. BTK. Is that Nancy Grace? Yeah, I think that is Nancy Grace. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if she's Grace doing on the special K so fucking ironic. I wonder if she's listened to our podcast. She's probably like, I do not approve. Well, of this. I mean, uh, HLN <laughs> official does follow us on Instagram, so maybe she has heard of us. Who Nancy. knows? We know that my favorite murder has, or at least someone on their team has. That was his first downfall: is showing up in his own car and getting on CCTV. The next is even stupider. You literally won't believe what he did. He asked the detective 
if a floppy disk mm. can be traced because he <sighs> wants to send them pictures of his victims. Mm. And yeah, he, but we weren't even using floppy disks in 2005. That was like 1997 to 2002 True. technology. True. All right, can you read this, Nicole? This was actually writing that was on the box left at Home Depot. He was trying to communicate with the detectives. Now, keep in mind, this is... 30 plus years later, his first murder was in 74. This is 2005. Let me put it this way. He is old news. He's unimportant. Nobody gives a shit. Everyone cares about every other serial killer but him. He's getting pissed off. And like you said earlier, it's probably because he's trying too hard. Go ahead and read this, Nicole. This was on the Special K box. Start here. Much of the writing in the Special K box was the usual egocentric material. He liked to call himself Rex, Latin for king, for example. Hmm. But the note labeled Comication, it will be okay. Run it for a few days in case I'm out of town, etc. I will try a floppy for a test run sometime in the near future, February or March. Was he serious? So he puts out an ad in the Wichita paper, the Wichita. It says adult talk, contact Rex Productions. New website. Come check it out. So he's actually communicating through the classified ads in the paper. Now, he actually asked detectives. He says, quote, be honest. If I give you a floppy disk, is it traceable? Quote, be honest. Now, the detectives thought he was fucking with him, but he wasn't. He was really asking the detectives is, if, a tr- if a floppy disk is traceable. And yes, it is. It's just like a photo. If you snap a digital photo, it is traceable. There's information in the digital photo. Every time you snap an iPhone photo, if you send it to somebody or you take a picture And the FBI looks at it, even though it comes from an anonymous source, they can look at the metadata. It's what they call metadata. It's the location and the timestamp and all that stuff. Just like a floppy disk. It is traceable. But the detective said, no, it's not traceable. Go ahead and send us all your crime scene pics through a floppy disk, you fucking idiot. And And guess what? He did. Well, he's a dumbass. And guess what it said? The detectives take the floppy disk, and yes, it's full of crime scene photos. They do the right-click thing under properties, just like any folder nowadays. And in plain letters, it reads Dennis. Raider. No, it reads just Dennis, his first name. And then where it came from was the Christ Lutheran Church. Huh. Where he was and it was member. used at the Park City Community Public Library. It literally gave his name, Dennis, his first name, and his exact location of the church. They have him now. Plus, they have him driving that Jeep Grand Cherokee. He immediately gets caught. But this is it for him. Within a few days, search warrant, they nab him right there. And he basically goes willingly. And he does a tell-all. Everything you want to know. He pleads guilty to 10 counts of murder. And now the sad thing about this, well, I don't know if you want to call it sad, but at the time of the murders, Kansas did not have a death penalty. Hmm. So therefore, he cannot be put to death, you know, because he committed the murders within the years of not having a death penalty. He's still alive and in prison, and he'll be there to the day he dies. He's still alive today? Yeah, he's still alive, and he still communicates with his daughter. Um, I was reading a little bit in her book where she had written him letters, and he said he's getting more into the Bible and starting to be more of a Christian. He's got to be at least in the 70s. Oh, yeah, he's old as shit. He's like 70, 80. Wow. I mean, he really lost it at the end there. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our strangler, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talko Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what store you want me to do. I'll research it and I'll put it on a floppy disk. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. Maddie's believes nature is beautiful, majestic, serene. But human nature is inventive, intrepid, reckless. Nature says, look how many colors I can fit in a sunset. Human nature says, look how many hot wings I can fit in my mouth. But human nature needs nature. That's why there's Maddie's All Natural Acid and Indigestion Relief, a drug-free remedy for human nature, available at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and Amazon. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.